Hi, friends. Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In episode 22, Sasha interviews social media expert, Dr. Donna Coriel. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show, everyone. It's Sasha, and I'm really excited about the guest because not only is she an amazing expert and mama doc, but she's also a good friend of mine. And so I'm super excited to have our guest today on the show, Dr. Donna Coriel. And we're going to meet up with her in just a minute. And she's going to give us the lowdown on social media and women, really like women physicians, physicians in general and professions and how we can implement social media into our professional life, which is always a question that I hear in many different circles. But first I'm going to answer a question from the audience. So this comes from Dr. S and she says, I really love your podcast. I loved your declutter podcast. What do you personally do with all of your textbooks, notes, CME, etc. Do you keep, do you recycle, do you scan? That is a great question. I actually did a major dump of all of my paper uh, about a year ago in my office, so much so that I got rid of my large file cabinet and I pretty much did all electronic. If it's something that I go to a conference and I really love, I have a journal that I take to conferences and I write in that one journal. So it just kind of stays with me. I don't print out lecture notes like I used to. I do have one binder that is, you know, if you looked at it, it you would laugh and think it was like, the Dead Sea Scrolls because it's like full of crazy information that I have saved for years and years. And it's like my brain trust. So I do have one folder that I keep kind of random notes, but otherwise I just take this one notebook and that's what I use to journal. So that's what I have done to declutter my life. But without further ado, welcome Donna to the show. I'm so excited you're here. I know, and me too. And um, I had the honor of meeting Sasha both um on her, you know, in her style MD group and also in real life because she is such a fabulous speaker. And I always laugh because she's such a comedian. I literally just laughed with you answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> so I love, I know, I love that we have the same kind of sense of humor. Um, Absolutely. And it always, you know, I always tell my kids, like, I have to go to conferences for people to find me funny because my kids don't always think I'm funny. They think I'm dorky. But I always tell them like, hey, other people think I'm funny. You guys don't think I'm funny, but I actually, mom is funny. And they're like, no, you're not. You're totally a dork. But um, we, we have similar, a sense of humor. So I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about, you know, who you are, what you do and how you got into becoming like the expert on all things, social media for medicine. So I am a board certified internist, but I took a break in my career and I decided to stay home for a few years. And during that time, I discovered this creative knack that I had and all these talents that I just never knew that I um, that I possessed. And so I um, sort of spent time um, massaging it and like bringing it to life and experienced all this amazingness from uh, taking on this creativity. And a a lot of it took place 
uh, in social media platforms. And so through the years, I've grown a following and it has been um, through readers. And a lot of my readers are uh, patients, but then um, physicians started taking interest too because I wrote about medical topics and I had some vaccine um, posts that took that. Uh, people took notice of. And basically, I grew, I decided to grow a group that is called SomiDocs and share all my knowledge and all my the inspiration and, and, and basically have others collaborate on this, um, this amazing uh, social media world in which we could do so much in healthcare. I love what you're doing. And I love that you are helping so many physicians who are in turn helping their patients and helping the public and educating um, on medical topics. I think it's just phenomenal. But what I think is I want to unpack because so many of our listeners are women who are lawyers, doctors, you know, all different professions. And one of the things that I've just love about you is your uh, description of what you call your gap, um, where, you know, you stayed at home and made the decision to leave medicine for a little bit. And what came out of that is just like, like you didn't come back and like dip your toe. Like you came back with like an amazing um, extension of yourself as a physician with helping grow SOMI docs and helping other doctors understand how to disseminate information to their patients, et cetera. Talk to us about like that gap year. What were some of the lessons you learned? Absolutely. Um, I think I really discovered just how toxic the environment of medicine can be. And what I mean is that we go through this journey um, to become physicians and we just think that it's the right way to do it by just going straight forward and not looking back or around. But it can be extremely toxic for many of us because we can't really do things that would otherwise um, would otherwise make us feel better. And so I was one of those people. I took no breaks and I just kept chugging along until I was a doctor and I kind of did everything the right way along every step, but then never like looked around or took time to breathe. And so my gap um, came when I forced myself to take time off because I felt like things weren't the way that they should be for whatever reasons. I mean, my personal ones were just um, bonding issues with my kids. I felt like I wanted to take some time and reacquaint myself with my kids and be a better mom, or at least I thought that that's what the purpose was. And that's sort of what I lecture about is that I discovered that it was actually me I needed to know more about. Mm. And so I call it a gap because it was my needed gap. There's something called a gap year, which we take between um, high school and university. And a lot of a lot of students uh, do it and, and others don't. Um, and I think it's an important gap. It's an important time to take for yourself. But when we go through the medical journey, a lot of us don't take that those gaps. And those gaps aren't really um, existent in other parts of our medical journey. So what I essentially did was take my own kind of gap. And even though mine lasted several years, I now basically advocate for physicians to take whatever gap it is that they need. And so um, it's basically a time to just take for yourself, a time to look around, a time to smell the roses, a time to acquaint yourself with some of the things that either you haven't been doing for a while. So if you, for example, played the guitar before you became a physician, then maybe it's time to pick up that guitar again or 
learn something new like I did. Like I never knew that I had a way with words or that I could put together photos in such a fun way that could appeal and help me grow my practice. Um, And so I highly suggest it because it helps us to beat burnout. And it actually helps us in healthcare. It helps us to move the needle in healthcare. It helps us amplify our voices. And we need to integrate this like creative aspect, this art aspect with medicine to actually many times to get things done. I love this. I love it. There's so many good things that you said that I agree with. And it's so funny because I've heard you speak. And the first time I heard you speak about this gap, I like, I kind of got emotional and I had to kind of, um, you know, just kind of shut it off for a few minutes while I was listening to you because Mm -hmm. I realized that I have not taken two weeks off in my entire career, in my entire life, like ever. And I thought, you know, okay, that's like baby steps. That's like a baby gap. That's like a sliver gap. (laughs) Let's start small, Sasha. And so like, that's my goal now is to figure out how I can take like two to three weeks off in a row of my vacation and just stack it because I've never done that. And I actually have this overwhelming desire to do that just to kind of, um, reset and recharge myself because man, I, I have found in my own life that when I neglect, um, my own humanity and my own kind of creative side or my own hobbies, you know, for years I thought like, well, I guess I just don't get to have a hobby because I'm a mom and a doctor and that's so sad. Right. But that's kind of like the culture that we live in. And then I realized like, that for me having a hobby, which is brave enough, which is what I'm doing right now. Um, this feeds my soul. Like this feeds my creative side. It, it makes me feel alive. It, it makes me feel human. And I actually relate so much better to so many of my partners and other women and other people through this. So, and it makes me a better doctor cause I'm more engaged. Um, so I love that you, you embraced this concept and that you're encouraging so many people to do it because there's not a lot of voices out there who are saying it's okay to take a gap and whatever that gap is. Maybe it's a two week vacation. Maybe it's a six week, you know, sabbatical. Maybe it's a year off. Maybe it's going part-time for a period of time, whatever it is. Um, I love that you're really encouraging people to do that. So talk to, let's talk about, I'm going to play the devil's advocate because I hear this all the time. I'm a big proponent of social media. I tend to think that you control your social media. So I don't understand why people think it's so bad. Um, because if it is bad in your life, it, it's something you can control, you know, like I control my feed. I control who I follow. I, I have a very positive slant on social media, but what do you say to that person that is that professional, that physician, that, um, that lawyer or whatever they do that's listening and thinking like social media is bad and it's just evil and nobody, you know, I've heard that so many times from people like nobody that's serious would ever have a social media account. I mean, what do you say to that person? Okay. So that's a great question. I get asked that all the time. And I start off by saying that a, I don't like social media. I think social media is bad, but at the same time, social media is here. There's nothing you can do about it. So bottom line is you can think it's evil all you want. It's here and it's here to stay. And when it's here to stay, if you're not in it, then you're out of it. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is if you look at it from a business perspective, 
It's something that is absolutely necessary right now because that's literally where the world is headed. So from a business perspective, it pays off to actually get on social media. And even though it's called social media, it doesn't always have to be social. Now, there's absolute aspects of why socially it can help. But I'm talking about social in other settings. And so we won't go get into it right now because I'm trying to sort of limit the answer. The bottom line is from a professional standpoint, there is so much that social media can can uh, offer. So just a few examples. Um, you really can build whatever it is that your social media presence is. So you, you you literally control it. So if you want to make a name for yourself and you want to be the expert on, let's say, um, headaches, then you go on there and you build a brand around that. And then you kind of build your following based on that. And you can open so many career doors. So career advancement wise, it has a ton of potential. Here's another way you could do it is you here's another thing you could use it for is you could use it to squash pseudoscience. So that's a huge thing that's um, happening through social media is there's a lot of false information. And if it didn't affect us in real life, I would say just ignore it. But the problem is healthcare has been ignoring it. And that's why we're in the predicament we're in right now with mm -hmm. all the anti-vaxxers and all the epidemics and the outbreaks. And so you can use your voice to end pseudoscience. Yet another thing, you can help with burnout, right? So there's existing groups that are um, con that are very active, like yours, like StyleMD, like mine, like SomiDocs, where there's constant engagement and a, const a place where you could just log in and be a part of a discussion. And so there's so much benefit to it because burnout is due to so many things. I mean, first of all, we're very isolated in our profession. Secondly, because we can connect with someone who's so like-minded, who, but who we may not have a chance to otherwise connect with because they're not local, right? So I go into these groups and there's people I speak with on the other side of this country and even on the other side of this world. And so those are just three really quick ways why physicians could benefit from being on social media. But there's other really like there's other intricacies to it that we could discuss at length in another time that um, help us to grow as professionals by using social media. I love it. I love this. Yes. And I love that you are so passionate about squashing the pseudoscience. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, a primary care doctor. Yeah. So it, it like, you know, it w walks in through my doors. Like we've been so silent all this time and we've been so fearful of social media for so many reasons. And but when it starts to like walk through your door and when it starts to really affect you and there's outbreaks in your county where you practice, then you start to say to yourself, like, whoa, how did this happen? And how can I fix it as a, as a physician. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's really funny because I'm an anesthesiologist. So, um, I don't obviously have the same contact with the public that you do. And yet I posted a picture of myself like a year and a half ago, two years ago, getting a flu shot. And I was like, Hey, everybody get your flu shot, you know, or whatever. And, um, I had several people private message me and we're like, we're unfollowing you. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? I was like, what? I mean, but I, not, I, but not in the medical community. I assume. No, they were like public people that followed me right. that they were like, okay. you know, we're, you're just like, this is a political agenda. And I thought political right. agenda, this is a public yeah. health, like crisis, you know, like get your, you know, get your flu shot. So you, I don't have to put you on ECMO like that's, yeah. but, but you know, but, but this is, but I thought, wow, you know, thank goodness for people like yourself and so many other, uh, people who are out there, physicians who are scientists and who do know they are at the front line and who are reaching out and who are doing the things that, 
um, that and educating the public on the real science and real medicine and what really needs to happen. Um, yeah. but I, I love that you said also something I, I really like that you said is, you know, it beats burnout. Um, I personally have a very positive following and positive. I see, I see social media, 90% of 95% of the engagement that I see on social media is positive because I have a very specific kind of following and thread that I, you know, I follow mostly physicians and I, I, I don't get involved in a lot of the negativity. So I don't see that, but I think it's as much, you know, I mean, yes, there's some, but I think it's really interesting because I don't think that some people don't understand that you can kind of create your own following and create your followers, like you said. And when you do that, and when you're positive, people respond to positive, you know, they respond with positive for the most part. And so I like, what I like about it is that, you know, I can go in and ask a question and get information when it's convenient for me. Um, I can go in and get, you know, kind of boosted and encouraged when it's convenient for me. Um, and I don't know if people really understand that the power of groups and the power of forming a tribe like Somi Docs um, or Style exactly. and you know, like it, there's a lot of power exactly in it. it. Exactly. And that's what people don't know. And this is important to point out on your show is that just because you're going to be on Facebook doesn't mean you have to be public, meaning you make an account. But you, first of all, you can change the name around. You can make it non-findable. Like you can make an account that is not easy to find. Some physicians actually change their name around so that patients can't easily friend them for, right. for, for obvious reasons. But, but the point here is that you then join these groups that are actually closed and many of them are hidden and they we vet as admins we vet um, members and so you're going to be in a group that's basically 100% physician. I mean, is it 100%? I can't guarantee that someone didn't slip through the cracks, but for the most part, you know, it's physicians discussing things and there's so much power to that. No one's controlling a conversation. I mean, you have to adhere by rules of a group. That's true. But for the most part, I mean, you're part of a community that you want to be a part of. Right. Right. And it's, and don't you find, I always laugh to myself because, um, I think sometimes the public thinks that because we're doctors, we know everything about medicine. Um, but you know, like (laughs) I love that what I love about my group is like, if I had a question about, I don't know, a sinus infection, I don't treat sinus infections. (laughs) I would be like, I'd be like, Donna, should I do this or this? You know what I mean? Like I see so many doctors asking other doctors for advice, which I love because it shows like that, you know, we are so specialized and we are, we, we we're such experts in our areas, but there's so many other areas of medicine that you don't know anything about. And so it's really cool to me to see the collaboration that goes on and to see all of the positive things that come out of it and the, you know, the papers and the publications and the talks that come out of it because people are collaborating across specialties. Exactly. So what connects us many times is that we're vulnerable, right? Um, People do put us on a higher pedestal and and sometimes that's that's all nice and everything, but we're still humans. And so these groups really help to humanize humanize us and it allows us a place to be vulnerable. You know, we don't know everything. And more than that, we're also humans and we also exist in a life outside of medicine. And so, yeah, a lot of us are parents or a lot of us have 
issues outside of medicine that we just need help from. And sometimes we can't get that from the community for obvious reasons. I mean, either because we don't really want to expose ourselves to others um, or because we just don't have the time. And this is a way to sort of get problems solved at the pa- in the palm of our hands. Yes. Because social media is literally in the palm of our hands. Yes. And I, and I, that's very true. And I love when I, I mean, I don't know how many times, I don't think a day goes by that I don't see, um, Hey, I just got out of the OR or I just got out of clinic and I came home and my son or daughter has a 103 fever. Uh, I can't, I got to go back to the, I got to go do this. What do I do? Should I do this or this or this? And And there's like this sense of community, like everybody knows what that feels like when you're a doctor and your own people in your own home are sick and you don't, you have time or the, you don't have the same ability to just leave at one o'clock and make an appointment or whatever. And it's so cool to see like other physicians kind of helping out each other, you know? So I don't know. I just see that. I just see the positive more than the negative, but obviously I think again, you know, you can set that, you can set your privacy level and, and what a join, you know, some people just join a group and that's what they do and that's fine. You know? So, um, if you were to, uh, tell, you know, if someone's like listening and they're like, Oh my gosh, I want to get in, I want to get on social media, but I'm not on social media. Can you give like a, you know, two minute spiel on, maybe which platform as a, and the differences in the platforms? Yeah, sure. So what I would do is um, first and foremost, I would join a group that discusses this openly and my group does that. So you go into Facebook, most people have accounts at this point, even if it's like an account you don't use, just log in, type in doctors on social media, request to join. Again, it's physicians only. If you're not a physician listening to this, I am um, starting to use the group Medicine Connect more so you can join there too. But the bottom line is you join a group that's openly discussed the different possibilities. Okay, then you look at what the options are out there. When you're ready, you um, cr- you decide what your endpoint goal is. So whatever it is, the reason you're on social media. And all of our reasons are different. Like some of us want to be the experts in a field and some of us want to just increase the numbers of our patients. Others want to, like I said, squash pseudoscience and others want to do other things. So you look for your endpoint goal and then you brand yourself based on that endpoint goal, meaning you look for a name that would represent you that could be found throughout the platforms that you then take on. And then once you have that in place, you tackle the platform that you want to use most. So um, there's different platforms available for use. There's Facebook. Again, we talked more about groups, but there's actual Facebook like for professionals. So like you can open up a page or you can open up your own groups for patients. Um, And then there's, and, and on Facebook, it's kind of a mix of both words and images. Then there's Twitter. Twitter's a platform where you sort of just talk, right? You you use words and really it's not so image friendly. You basically use words to like share information and you use a lot of words. It's a place where you really, it's okay to overshare. Then there's Pinterest. Pinterest is very image heavy. Um, there's 
Instagram, same thing, extremely image heavy. Um, that's a place where you can kind of play around with art, with artistic use of your iPhone or um, other smartphone device. And then there's LinkedIn. LinkedIn is extremely professional and it's almost like a social media CV where you interact with people, not only in your field, but also out and you try to network and find um, ways to grow professionally. So that's kind of like an overview of the most of the social media platforms out there. That was awesome. That was incredible. Yeah, um, great. You are amazing. So, okay. So um, one of the things that I love about you, besides the fact that you have three boys, which I have three boys too, and there's, <laughs> I love all your posts about them and your amazing, um, pictures is you are such a creative and you like can take a picture of something that I walk by every day and make it look like art. And the fact is that it's astonishing to me that you do like all of this on your iPhone. And, you know, you and I were laughing hysterically when I tried to take a picture of the chia mango. <laughs> what goodness, because I, it, it was so much harder. I thought I'm just going to take a picture of this cup of goodness and it's going to be really easy. And it was so hard. So you make it look effortless, but where can people follow you? Because everyone's going to want to follow you. I mean, you're such a, you, your platform is beautiful um, and so artistic. And I feel like even though I live in the middle of Nebraska, I get a little taste of New York when I follow you as well. So tell <laughs> us, where are you on Insta and Facebook? How do we follow you? What do, wh how do we get right. to your platform? So um, I'm an example of how to brand because my brand is sort of the same on all platforms that I use. And my handle is basically Dr. Coriel, meaning you can find me by typing in D-R-C-O-R-R-I-E-L. And that's Dr. Coriel on any platform that you are on. Um, and I just want to say thank you so much. You're very sweet. And I want to just this isn't a plug for you, but just in general, this is why I was attracted to your work and you in general. I really love working with other physicians that are positive. That really um, stands out in people. And I can right away, I could tell if you're a positive person or not. And I think that that's really needed in medicine is just people that uplift others and really encourage them positively. So I really appreciate all the things that you do too. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I can't wait till we can, you know, get on the speaking circuit again together or just bond together. And I, I've got to get to New York so that you and I can just sit and have coffee and then you can take beautiful pictures of the coffee cups and teach me how. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show and everyone follow Dr. Coriel on social media. She is amazing and she's a great leader and as always live brave this has been an hsg production